Hey, BA fam, this episode is sponsored by State Farm. Are you a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Hey, hey, hey. We're back. We're black. We're brown. Ambition. 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 Hey, Mandra. How you doing, girl? I'm doing so much better now that I'm here. Yay. Welcome back in the stew or whatever. You know, we have a guest today. I'm excited. Yes. You're lovely and you're a badass business baddie, which is hard to maintain both. So I'll give you kudos. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to introduce Hala, our guest. Hala Taha, dubbed the podcast princess, is the host of Young and Profiting Yap Podcast, frequently ranked as the number one business and entrepreneurship podcast across all of the apps, okay? Hala is also the founder and CEO of Yap Media, a business podcast network with an award-winning social media and podcast marketing agency for top podcasters, celebrities, and CEOs. She is well known for her engaged following and influence on LinkedIn. Young and Profiting Podcast is a top 100 podcasts globally, and Hala has interviewed star-studded guests um, from the likes of Matthew McConaughey and... Um, Alex Hormozy, I'm the worst. Deepak Chopra, we love Deepak. Okay, Damon John, Seth Godin, who Seth Godin is like the man when it comes to marketing, and countless others. Her show um, was recognized in 2022 as a Webby honoree, and you know we love Webbies around here. And Hala has been featured in publications like Entrepreneur, Founder, and the New York Times. She is an expert on networking, marketing social media, personal branding, side hustles, entrepreneurship, and podcasting. Woo, Holla, we call that what? Being a, uh, why Holla is also, you're, you're a brown girl, Holla. I'm going to ask you where you're from. Uh, I am a brown girl. <laughs> well, where I'm from is super relevant right now. I'm, I'm 100% Palestinian. Oh, wow. Oh, my God. I'm 100% first generation Palestinian. My family is still in the West Bank. So How, how are oh you God. navigating this really hard time? Oh, it's been really tough. It's yeah. been like the toughest. And I'm running such a huge company. I'm one of the few Palestinian voices. So mm. I felt like I had this side hustle mm. I never asked for of just having to educate people. There's mm-hmm. so much misinformation right now. Yeah. So I'm just oh trying gosh. to just de-escalate. And it's just a terrible situation. So I'm trying my best you know yeah. yeah this one's tough because there's a lot of misinformation going on mm-hmm. there's a lot of emotions mm-hmm. and to be quite honest a lot of people have literally learned history wrong yeah. right mm-hmm. and so 
Palestinians and Arabic people and, and, and Jewish people also are, a lot of Jewish people are really aware of the actual facts and history and really against everything that's happening. Mm-hmm. There's literally apartheid in Israel. Um, you know, this is proven by multiple human rights organizations. I, even as a U.S. citizen, if I go to Palestine, I'm literally treated as an oppressed person uh, mm-hmm. who has to drive on separate roads, who, who has to go through checkpoints, who... Mm-hmm. Uh, somebody could kill me in Israel and literally nobody would be prosecuted. Mm. Nobody would go to jail. Um, Jim Crow. It's crazy, right? It's literally crazy. But so many people don't know this information and and they just hear like anti-Semitism or what, like, you know, they just go red and they won't even listen to to what other people are saying. So it's really high stakes right now. And as a business person, I'm so lucky because I remember when I worked in corporate, I could never talk about any Mm. of this. I would, but it would be really looked down on. I still was raising money for Palestine. I always, whenever something was going on, I have to, I have to say something. There's innocent people at stake and not, and the media is controlled, right? So I have to put myself out there. But now as an entrepreneur, I feel really lucky, you know? So many of my clients are Jewish. So many of my friends are Jewish. Mm-hmm. They know that, like, daily I advocate for everyone, all mm. races, black, white, Jewish, doesn't matter. So my daily actions show that I'm a fair person who mm-hmm. loves everyone. So it gives me a platform now to just be able to speak freely. I, I, so many of my clients are Jewish, and literally they're like, keep talking. You're educating me so much. So it feels good this time around that people are actually listening, but yeah. man, it's been a tough week. It's been a tough 10 days. So for those people who are listening to our podcast who are business people and who want to say something but are not sure, to Mandy's point, when Black Lives Matter came out, I mean, I'm black, Mandy is black, and so it, I felt more educated to be like, this is what's happening because this is happening to my community, I'm well aware, but I feel like there are a lot of uh, people who want to say something and do their business, but are afraid because I don't know the history. I don't, you know, I've watched a couple of videos and I'm not sure, I'm like, is this the right video? Is this, how does one, one, where can we find education? And then two, how can we start to integrate that into if, for those who want to speak out? Yeah, I would say number one is seek out Palestinian voices. Go follow me on Instagram. There's so many people. uh, uh, Sean King is posting a lot of stuff Mm -hmm. that gives people insight of what's actually going on on the other side. And you need to proactively seek out these voices because what you watch on TV and in the news is only going to give you one side. One side is literally controlled by propaganda and is uh, basically paid for by the other side, right? And so if you want to seek out other sources, they have to be online on social media. Uh, seek out Human Human Rights Watch put out a report about the apartheid Uh, Amnesty International put out a report about the apartheid Mm. you can read through all those reports it will give you all the history current and previous that you need to understand and then there's lots of uh, documentaries about Gaza that you can look up and watch Um, so I would say seek out voices the other thing I would say is like you've got to refuse to be called an anti-Semite when you want to speak about human rights. So every post that you you write, I'm not an anti-Semite. I am allowed to speak freely and I am Mm. pro-human rights. I am pro-peace. And then start off whatever you're going to say, you know, because that's the one thing that we need to start to isolate is that this is not a religious issue. This is a human rights issue. There's actually a lot of Jewish people. Jewish people storm the Capitol. Jewish Voice for Peace. Uh, if not now org all these are like huge Jewish organizations that 
365 days a year, even before this conflict, are trying to work towards equal human rights for Palestinians in a region, right? Mm. So there's just a lot going on. And uh, I think the number one thing that I want from leaders, and you know, we weren't expecting to talk about Palestine on this podcast, so no, we do not need yeah. to talk about this this whole time. But the number one thing that I think leaders should seriously consider is at least foster a dialogue in your mm. business. At least recognize that the Arabic people and Palestinian people that may work for you, they're not doing well right now. Mm. They need to be treated like uh, humans, be given humanity. Their people are li- literally a genocide is happening in Palestine. And we're hurt. You know, we don't feel like our lives are valued. I think that it, we're in a very similar spot to how black people felt during Black Lives Matter when everybody was screaming, all lives matter. Meanwhile, we're having a genocide, right? Mm-hmm. So it's tough. And, and I think... Having open dialogue, um, not persecuting people for speaking out, um, you know, and advocating for people to have healthy dialogues with each other. This is the only way that us as a society is going to be able to move forward is if we actually have open dialogues. And if people start learning new information on both sides so that we have like more empathy towards each other mm-hmm. um, and that takes dialogue. So not closing down comments when you put up a post. Uh, not persecuting people for speaking up and again just like fostering this open dialogue and often getting out of the way of people like yourself and letting you add yeah I don't know how many people have maybe I don't need to make a statement maybe I need to amplify a statement that you make exactly and I have everybody who knows me personally they're like Holly keep going like we love you blah 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 then I have these strangers Mm -hmm. that don't know me that are like you're an anti-semite how like you're spreading misinformation and like harassing me and it's like Bro, like, I'm literally Palestinian and have lived the apartheid myself. Do not gaslight me about what is truth and what is not for me. Yeah. And it's crazy when you come from a group that is largely oppressed and then the world tells you, like, no, you're not. You're like, I'm sorry. I I look like this every day. I know the feeling. I know Mm -hmm. what it feels like to navigate from a space of having less than for no other reason than, you know, the origin of my birth. And so, you know, I just, it's been really, 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 and I just have felt hands tied so I'm like, I'm not really sure, because I'm not afraid to say something. It's just, mm-hmm. I didn't feel educated enough to join the conversation, you know, because I'm just like, I mean, but I know that murder is wrong no matter what side. And exactly. I, I know that lives have been taken mm-hmm. on both sides, and I just feel like across the board that's wrong, you know. But I also know... You know, from because I am black, invisibly black, that for brown people across the world, that often our voices are more easily suppressed. I mean, I'm seeing there was this I just was reading this morning um, on like Inc.com that there's this conference in um, that they do every year in Europe. I think it's called like the Global or something summit. And the, the CEO or the whatever the, the conference leader, let me see if I can find it. He said something that just basically said like, um, you know, like killing people is wrong and that genocide is not okay. Facebook dropped out of the conference. Google dropped out of the conference. And I was like, wait, it, is it wrong it's to say crazy. the kill? So he literally, he didn't say, I'm with, it's just, hey, like genocide is not okay. Killing people is not okay. We should have peace. Just that simple. And people are dropping out because like, what are we saying? So it is okay to kill people? I just, I'm confused about what the pushback it's, is. It's really crazy because at this point, it's not about being pro-Palestinian. It's about being anti-genocide, Yeah. right? Because both sides like have done wrong things, mm-hmm. right? 
since 1948. I can give everybody a, a quick history That'd lesson about Please why do. this all started, right? 1948, after World War II, Britain sent Jewish refugees from World War II to Palestine, okay? At this point, Palestinians welcomed Jewish people with open arms. They even let them in their homes and everything was okay. A year later, the British armed Jewish people to take over Palestine. They forcibly drove out 800,000 people out of 500 villages. They killed 15,000 people. These are the descendants of the people in Gaza right now. They're refugees that were literally forcibly removed from their homes. People are still living in homes that they have, that Palestinians have the keys to their homes. Their grandmothers still have the keys to their homes. There's Jewish settlers and people in Israel who literally live in the same homes that Palestinians used to live in. in. They, they have a saying saying they took it fully furnished because they literally just moved into people's houses with their furniture, okay? And so these people are now in Gaza as refugees, and they've been blockaded for 16 years. They're not allowed to leave. They're blockaded from Egypt and Israel, not allowed to leave. And these people, Hamas, who committed the actions on October 7th, have been under blockade. Most of these people are between 17 and 37 years old. Mm -hmm. Most of either their entire lives or most of their lives not even allowed to leave Gaza. Okay, they're trapped in an open air prison. A better name for it is a concentration camp because they committed no crime other than being Palestinian. They're not allowed to leave a city that is the size of Detroit. Mm -hmm. Okay. And it is blocked off by a wall. And that is one part of the occupied territories in Israel. The other occupied territory is the West Bank. And so the West Bank is a small piece of land that was given to the Palestinians. It is occupied. People have to drive on separate roads. Their water is rationed. All this uh, it's all controlled. There's checkpoints uh, and so on. And again, if somebody gets killed in the West Bank. There's no persecution of any Israeli that did it. And people are still stealing people's homes, demolishing homes, stealing land. And they're just taking over more and more of the West Bank. They don't respect the boundaries that they gave the Palestinian people. Before this conflict, 250 people were murdered, including 47 children by Israeli radical settlers. Nobody talks about this, right? So it was not unprovoked. Uh, It was 76 years of oppression and literally like violence ongoing to Palestinians constantly. They're basically controlled. Uh, it's it's like segregation, like how it was back in the day in America, right? That is what's going on in the region. Um, and so then this Hamas attack happened. Of course, nobody condones that, but we can't help for people to be radicalized if they're literally trapped behind a wall and have don't have equal rights and they're Uh, you know, family is killed, bombed every five years and and whatever, right? People are obviously going to become radicalized. They're not treated equally. So that's the root cause of the problem. And that's what people need to get educated on. Mm. I can't imagine. I mean, I mean, I don't feel like this just, it makes me so sad and heartbroken beyond the stories that I've heard. And there are some journalists out there who are working really hard to get in touch with Palestinian voices because like electricity is not, Mm -hmm. you know, something that you can take for granted there. A lot of places don't have them. I heard that some people are using car batteries because they have anticipated power outages before. Mm -hmm. Um, Car batteries just to charge their phones, solar panels just to get electricity. But anyway, it's hard to communicate. But the stories that I have heard of young 20-somethings, families who will just get a phone call and say, 
this is um, the Israeli army. We're letting you know there's going to be a strike. Get out now. Mm-hmm. And then they don't know if that's real or if they need to like pack up and leave. And that state of high alert, that state of fear, and I know that it's been going on for decades, as you've described, like that's for me, it's never okay. And I, I feel like we just don't learn from our own freaking history. Yeah. I know. That it's crazy. Eye for eye in a, does not equate peace. I mean, yeah. what happened is There's that no people way. came over from World War II after the Nazis and everything, and they came to Palestine, like, ready to do anything to just survive, and they put all that evil negativity on the Palestinians and then just did it, did the same thing that happened to them, literally to the Palestinians. And we had nothing to do with the Holocaust, right? So it's like, I feel that the Palestinians have taken the brunt of the Holocaust. Like all the pain and the the terror and everything has just for 76 years, Palestinians have been unrightfully punished for something they did not do. So I, I remember I went nuts. to um, Jordan earlier this year and I just couldn't believe the separation. Like, um, oh, what is the river that Jesus was baptized in? The Jordan River. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just remember being like, wow, there's literally like this line and they made it very clear, do not... I was I was in Jordan on the Jordan side. Do not get close to this line. And the river wasn't it wasn't a part of the river that was very wide. It was it wasn't as wide as a street, like you know. And like I just remember thinking like, wow, like you know, for so many people, you know, like whether you're Christian or or Jewish or 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 uh, Muslim, Jesus is a figure in in all three of those like religions, whatever that figure takes on, whether it's a prophet or, or, or savior or whatever. But I just remember thinking, how sad is it that this important, beautiful place to, to these three religions is radicalized where I can be in the water that's clearly touching both sides, but I can't get close to this imaginary line that men have created. And I just thought, wow, it just seemed, it was such a beautiful place, Jordan. But this underlying sense of like impending violence. And I just remember thinking like, it just seemed that part just hit me as really sad. Like, yeah. So. Yeah. I think, I think the, the craziest part of all of this, Tiffany and Mandy, is the misinformation going on and like the bubble that Israelis have lived in. You know, they get their birthright paid for the American Jewish people, right? They go over to Israel and they don't see the occupied territories. They see the the few, there's like 2 million Palestinians or Arab Israelis, they call them, that live in Israel that sort of have equal rights. So people teach them that, see, these are the Palestinians. They live freely with us. And But it's really not the whole story. They don't show them the West Bank. They don't tell them about Gaza. They don't tell them, they're not even allowed to learn about the Nebka in like history in in Israel so they don't even know that happened they don't know that like it started with ethnic cleansing and so there's just all this misinformation um and essentially me having an identity of being Palestinian it 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 is uh threatening to anybody who has an Israeli identity because it threatens their identity so mm-hmm. they want to act like we don't exist or we were a lost people or Israel was a land with no people But in reality, we were ethnically cleansed. And even now, Gaza is being ethnically cleansed with they forced a million people to move out of their homes and they bombed all their homes. Now, those million people, they have nowhere to go. They might end up going to Egypt or Syria. And they're just, again, like moving more Palestinians out. 
the last thing I'll say about this is that there's 5 million Palestinians still living in the occupied territories of Palestine, which are now Israel. And there's like 7 or 8 million Israelis. It's like literally almost half the people mm. are still Palestinian there. And there's like 10 million Palestinians outside of there that basically are refugees now, not allowed to go back. So it's a big issue. Like there's people who are alive today that both think that they, they're Palestinian. There's people alive today that believe they're Israeli. We need to figure it out. We need yeah. to live in peace together. Yeah. No, but thank you so much for, I think it's yeah. so great to get a perspective. I, this was not our intention. We brought Kyle yeah. on here. So I mean, grateful. but I'm glad Sorry, for it I'm like, I'm like, it's just so crazy. Like what's I want to give on? you like no, no, a it, hug. Or, I, I, I know yes. you're so passionate about it as you should be. And this is the moment. And I'm so glad that we have a platform we can share with you and that you're using yes. your own for that. But yeah. I, oh, like, I feel like we need a, a little deep breath moment. Um, how do you I know how it's do you just, take care of yourself and your Palestinian friends yeah. um you know anyone who's affected by this we're honestly like it it's really sucks guys mm -hmm. like there's not a lot of us mm -hmm. um not a lot of us with a voice and literally I feel like I can't even grieve I can't even grieve all I have to do is just spend every second I have just trying to educate and mm -hmm. post and like battling harassment online for telling the truth mm -hmm. and like thank god honestly like all uh, there's two communities that are helping us black black the black community is helping us thank mm -hmm. god uh, this is really the first time that like really the black community is mobilizing and supporting us mm -hmm. and Jewish people Jewish people who know what's going on mm. and now we, we never really had other communities supporting us and now we have these two communities really helping to amplify our voices and it feels like maybe there there'll be some real change yeah I have to say that's where I heard about the most which I love because you're right, because as uh, um, coming from a population that has also often been oppressed, you get to see, you're like, wait, 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 what's going on? And, you know, if, you know, especially black women, that's where I've seen so many, because I don't necessarily, I mean, other than you, Hala, I don't know if I know anybody else that's Palestinian, you know? Mm -hmm. And so a lot of the information that I've gotten have been from black voices that have shared other Palestinian voices. Yeah. And I'm just like, wait. And so as I'm reading and I'm learning, what I'm loving is that I see a lot, especially like the black influencer women are posting for better understanding. And then you see people angry and you're like, well, she's allowed to say, I don't know much about this topic. If you can share respectfully in the comments, mm -hmm. Because I'd love to learn because I'd love to support humanity overall. And people exactly. get really, really, really um, angry at that. And so that's very telling when you say, I believe that people shouldn't be murdered and people get yeah. mad at that. <laughs> Well, it's just it's I think one of the biggest polarities in all this or like issues is that like it's just call a spade a spade. Palestinian lives are not valued as much as Israeli lives. And that's literally what's going on. You know, like fourteen hundred innocent Israeli civilians died and that's terrible. And now five thousand Palestinians have died, mostly literally mm -mm. children, mm -mm. like babies. Mm -mm are just getting murdered and blown up and, and everyone's yes, like, them. they deserved it. It's retaliate, like, they're just like, what do you, we're defending ourselves, defending yourself from what? From little babies who, who literally didn't vote for Hamas? Like, we need to be fair and like, just all human lives need to be treated equally. And that that's like, I think what all the Palestinians are crying about. We don't, we, we're not supporting Hamas. It's, but we can't control yeah. Hamas. And until the occupation is over, Hamas is not going away because, they're resisting against uh, not having freedom, right? So it's just, we just need the bloodshed to stop. And I hope how it stops because I need to focus <laughs> on work. <laughs> how is your family? You said you still have family there? 
I have family in the West Bank. So the West Bank, um, there's lots of, you know, violence and settler settler violence, but they're not getting bombed like Gaza is. So they're okay. Hopefully they'll be okay. Um, But yeah, I don't have family in Gaza. And your family, like your immediate family, are they here in the U.S.? When did you come to the U.S.? I was born in the U.S. So my immediate family is in the U.S., but like all my dad's like, uh, brothers and sisters and stuff and my moms yeah. are in Palestine and some in Jordan to your point Tiffany a lot mm-hmm. of Palestinians are in Jordan mm-hmm. and what's one thing have so. you visited I'm sure you have but what when's the last time you were able to visit Palestine I have not been back in 20 oh, years wow. I used to go every summer we have a house there we have land there yeah. it's not safe for me yeah. um I like I said I could get uh I'm treated like a Palestinian even though I'm a U.S. citizen once I go there so again, I, I'm like, I could literally be killed by an Israeli settler and nothing would happen. And so it's just too dangerous for me. Uh, and I think I'd be targeted because I have such a big platform and stuff. I think they'd really give me a, a big problem. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you could share one happy memory or like like a picture of your um, childhood, even in Palestine, just for people to mm-hmm. sort of show like there was a time yeah. when you were a child there and felt safe, maybe. I never, I always experienced the apartheid, but it definitely was safer than now. Um, But, you know, I remember I would always like walk to the store, like they had dirt roads, right? So it's like didn't have paved roads and all my cousins were there. They're all my age and everybody's like really open where you can just like, I didn't ever call to go over my aunt's house. You know, I would just like wake up, knock on her door and she'd come make me breakfast and then I'd go, you know, take a walk and like check out the olive trees and the fig trees with my cousins and climb trees and just be kids, you know, find like stray dogs and, and puppies and, and take care of them or like little birds and, and take care of them and stuff like that. So we were just like regular kids, just, you know, enjoying the outdoors and, and you know, and then in, in the meanwhile of all that, there'd be like a Israeli tank driving yeah. by, like, and that was normal, <laughs> right? I always think to myself, like, because I, I taught in um, Newark for so many years, and the area, especially that I taught in, sometimes can get quite violent, where there might be gunshots, there might be, and I always thought to myself, no matter where the worst of the world shows up, there's always kids, beautiful kids, playing and laughing and somehow able to eke out some joy in the worst parts of the world, and that always gave me a little bit of hope, you know? That yeah. like, you know, that's why it's so heartbroken to see here what's happening. But it's just like, it's just, it's this strange juxtaposition that like, it could really be this war-torn area and kids will find a way to play and laugh and, and enjoy each other um, in the midst of all the terribleness. They will find the little piece of joy available and then use the, use it up the most. But so I'm glad you were able to have some good memories. Um, I think maybe we should take like a cleansing yeah. break, right, Mandy? Yeah. And come back. We're gonna come back and talk a little bit about business. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. All right, so we're gonna take a break, pay a couple bills. Everybody, take a rusa, breathe in, breathe out, and we'll be right back. Hey, BA fam. This episode is sponsored by State Farm. Are you a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. 
State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Hey, BA fam, our fellow entrepreneurs and creatives, this message is sponsored by Squarespace. It is the ultimate toolkit for crafting your online presence. With Squarespace, it's really about more than just building a website. It's about shaping your online identity and making your mark. So say goodbye to checkout headaches with Squarespace's flexible payment options. From credit cards to Apple Pay, they've got you covered. And if you live in an eligible country, they offer buy now, pay later options with Afterpay and clear pay, which means that your customers have even more ways to purchase your products. So head over to squarespace.com and kickstart your journey with a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, don't forget to use our link squarespace.com slash brown ambition to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Just visit squarespace.com slash brown ambition to get your discount today. Remember your online success story begins with Squarespace. So what are you waiting for? Let's build something extraordinary together. And now a word from our sponsors at Betterment. All right, BA fam, you know, we work hard and we play hard. But when it comes to investing and having your money in the market, you want your money to be working for you. That's exactly what the Betterment automated investment and savings app can help it do keeps your money out there working hard and kicking you know what, I love Betterment because it makes it easy for even a beginning investor to figure out how to put their money in the market and set it and forget it and be at peace with that because you know Betterment has got you covered with their automated investment and savings app. Their technology is going to give you advanced tools that are built to help you maximize those returns. All you got to do is visit Betterment.com to get started. Learn more about high yield cash accounts at Betterment.com. Investing involves risk. Performance not guaranteed. Cash reserve offered through Betterment LLC and Betterment Securities. Betterment is not a bank. Do you ever have subscriptions that you forget about? I did. Mm -hmm. Do you have a hard time canceling those subscriptions because they seem tricky or time consuming? Raise your hand. I know it's you. Okay. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Yes. I can see all my subscriptions in one place. And if I see something I don't want, I cancel it with a tap. I've never had to get on the phone with customer service in order to do so. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. Okay. So stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash brown ambition. That's rocketmoney.com slash brown ambition, rocketmoney.com slash brown ambition. All right, guys, we are back from break. So we're going to switch gears a little bit because um, Hala is like quite big time in business, right? And we want to really lean into it. And Hala, I don't know if you have time to stay with us. We do. We also tape, um, we call our BAQA, where we answer questions about entrepreneurship, um, business, um, and um and money. So we'd love for you to maybe answer answer some business entrepreneurship questions. Yeah. Perfect. Great. So, um, so yeah, so 
I mean, it's hard to switch. I'm like, my brain is like, ooh. <laughs> yeah, I know. Let's just like, oh, it's I all know. good. <laughs> so 2023, I have found how that has been, I would say, 80% of my friends that are in business, including myself, um, had a harder time in 2023 than like than it's been in, in a number of years. And it was mm-hmm. kind of a hard business year. Mm-hmm. Have you seen that kind of like trend in, the, in your business and your business friends? And what can people do to kind of like... Um, you know, like, what are your suggestions or what have you done to make sure that business still runs despite whatever happened in 20? I don't know what happened in 2023, but I feel like there was a bit of a squeeze for most people. Yeah, I definitely think the first half of the year was really just slow and mm-hmm. brutal. For us, at least my company, like, rocked it second half of the year. Mm-hmm. So um, I would say always be proactive in your sales generation. So for me, it was just trying to come up with creative ideas in order to reach, for, for me, with the sponsorships for my network, reaching out to as many brands as possible and just coming up with unique ideas in order mm-hmm. to get leads for our business. Obviously, every business is different. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would say putting yourself out there, creating a personal brand, of course, was just something that I talk a lot about. Um, and then just proactively generating leads rather than just expecting them everybody to just like find you you've got to put yourself out there create content and so yeah. on talk about your type of business so you're speaking about yet media yeah. which is primarily a podcasting network or do you have other types of media that yes you... okay so yeah we're a podcasting network where we sign on shows we have shows like jenna kutcher's gold digger oh. amy porterfield uh john lee dumas so we've got a lot of big shows and we help people get sponsors mm-hmm. And we also help to grow people's shows. So that's one aspect of my business. And then I have a social media agency. We're the number one LinkedIn marketing agency and a a podcast production agency as well. So I've got social clients, podcast clients, network clients. And what about the team? Go ahead, go ahead. (laughs) I was trying to get a picture of the team that supports you. And do you, and which arms of those businesses do you feel like has been more, um, you know, contracting in this past year where you've had to like be creative? Yeah, 100%. So I have a big team. I have about 50 people who work at Yap Media. Mm. Um, a big team for the social side, especially. And I think the most difficult thing was in the beginning, beginning of the year, we lost some social clients because everybody was basically hurting in their business. And one of the first things they're going to pull is yep. marketing budget for something like social, Always. right? Yep. <laughs> so we lost a lot of clients. And unfortunately, the social side of the business is really talent heavy. Mm. And so that caused me to have to like let go of some people, mm. which was really tough because mm. it was nothing with their performance, but it was just because we didn't have a lot of clients. And I sort of had to consolidate and restructure the social team uh, so that it would be more flexible as clients leave and come and and so on now we're like fully stacked i'm hiring again and all this stuff but it's scary because again if the economy goes bad again people are going to pull out and i'm going to have to you know downsize my team so Mm -hmm. agencies that are talent heavy are really tough in these uh, economic times because you're always having to scale down talent scale up talent the network side is really scalable Mm -hmm. i have like a five person team and whether we have like 20 podcasters or 50 podcasters, it's really the same size team. Uh, so that's a little bit more scalable. And that's one of the reasons why I've been moving toward and focusing more on growing my network because mm-hmm. it's not so talent heavy. Understood. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they're not actually, yeah, exactly. They're not on your payroll necessarily. They're not W2 workers. And is it that often the podcasts that you acquire sort of have their own develop, their own production team already? They just need that additional exactly. support so- with ads. We just we just do the sponsorships and it's like the bigger the show, 
it's the same amount of work, mm-hmm. but we get paid a lot more money because you get paid per download, mm-hmm. per commercial, right? So if I sign on a huge show, it's the same amount of work if I sign on a small show. And so therefore, it's like a very scalable opportunity. Mm-hmm. I just have to keep signing really big shows mm-hmm. and uh, not necessarily having to hire. Like every time I, I get like three new clients for social, I have to stand up a whole new social mm-hmm. team okay. where I could hire uh or bring on like 20 podcasters and, and bring on one person mm. to support them or something, you know? So Holly, you said something about being the number one LinkedIn um, um, marketing team. So like, what does that mean? Like, what does LinkedIn marketing, what is that? Yeah, so we're the number one LinkedIn marketing agency. Mm-hmm. A lot of the influencers on LinkedIn, like Marshall Goldsmith, Matt Higgins, Heather Monahan, myself, it's my team actually behind the scenes running their whole LinkedIn. Okay. And so Thanks for that includes. Thanks for just telling me that they ain't doing it alone. Because <laughs> <laughs> no, no. we need to hear that. My clients don't do anything. Yeah. Like we do everything like A to Z. And that includes creating the content, posting it up, responding to comments. And then the real secret sauce on LinkedIn is the DM, direct message campaigns. Mm. And so we're doing all these like direct message campaigns 24-7, driving uh, ROI initiatives for What's our clients. What's a DM campaign? Ooh. So do you have like a bot that, or do you have people? So we, it's people, uh, mostly virtual assistants in the Philippines. I have about 12 people in the Philippines whose full-time jobs are just DMing people mm. on LinkedIn. And so we do all these different campaigns. Like, so for example, with my podcast, uh, we send out about a thousand DMs a day to mm-hmm. entrepreneurs to listen to Young and Profiting, mm-hmm. soliciting our new episode. And then if they respond positively, we then ask them to write us a review. So that's like one example of a DM campaign. Mm-hmm. Another one would be like, let's say one of our clients has a new book coming out. Every time they put up a post about their book, anybody who likes and comments, we then retarget in the DMs. Hey, I noticed that you uh, liked my post about my upcoming book. I'd love for you to check out the pre-order. You can get this free thing, X, Y, Z. Here's Ooh, that's such a good tip um, even for someone like me who has one admin to like as a task. Just look at my comments. Mm-hmm. And if people like it, oh, yeah. it sounds so simple. <laughs> Well, it's that's called permission-based yeah. marketing, right? Yeah. So they took the first action. They're essentially raising their hand and saying, you have permission to reach out to me. Mm. If you ever reach out to anyone saying, hey, I noticed you engaged on my this post, they'll never be like, screw you, <laughs> you spammed me, because they took mm. the first action. Mm. So it's a great way uh, to establish common ground and, and get the conversation mm. going. So what does it look like to work with you? Like, does it like... So because I think a lot of like, especially entrepreneurs, you know, they're thinking like, oh, I might want to work with an agency, but I don't have any money, you know, Mm -hmm. or like I don't have enough of a budget. What does that look like? Is it largely like sponsors pay you so they're not paying and you kind of just split this profits? Is it are people really paying out of pocket? Like, what does that look like? Yeah, so for my social clients, they're paying out of pocket Mm -hmm. and we're like a white glove award-winning social media agency, so we're not cheap. So it's usually really big CEOs, influencers, Mm -hmm. and our minimum retainer is $10,000 a month, Mm -hmm. and that's just LinkedIn, right? If you add on Instagram, it's more. So we're typically not able to service most people because we have such a high ticket offer and I essentially need to hire five people to run someone's account. It's really intensive, right? Okay. Um, but I have a LinkedIn Secrets Masterclass. Mm. The next one is December 13th and 14th. And basically, I have a two-day training where I take everyone through what I teach my team about how to hack LinkedIn. So mm. we go over creating a personal brand, uh, copywriting, 
design. And then day two was all about the algorithm, engagement hacks, DM campaigns. And I basically teach the same thing that I teach my team. And a lot of people will like send in their social lead or send in a couple team members. And then they're literally up to speed. And I've created influencers. I started this about a year ago mm-hmm. and there's been like dozens of influencers that have come out of this uh, program. Is that the goal? Okay. Like you're teaching them how to then become, have a bigger platform, grow their, you know, and, sp- and yeah, share their message. get engagement, mm-hmm. increase their sales, mm-hmm. start a personal brand. And like I said, like literally have created entrep- uh, influencers from so scratch who, who have no following. How much is the two day workshop? Usually with, uh, we give promo codes. So it's about like $1,700. It's $2,000. And then we usually give like 30 Dude, if you work off. for a company and you're in marketing, like I would take that. You know, like your company yeah, would so pay good. for it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, that's And I, people don't use their professional development funds enough. They just don't yeah. think about it. And they also may say like, oh, I just have a, I, mean, I heard I have a cap of like 500. Well, make a case, you know? Yeah. yeah. Case for it. Well, I'm happy to give you guys a promo code and uh, you can get a referral fee for anybody who signs on who listens to this podcast if you want. Oh, maybe. We've never done that before. I'm just like, <laughs> sounds good. <laughs> we haven't done that. Yeah. Okay. We're like, okay. Oh, no. <laughs> um, What's the promo code that you want? Ooh, brown. Or should brown. Be ambition. brown ambition. We usually use brown ambition for our. Yeah, we use brown ambition. Brown ambition yeah. together. Mm-hmm. All right. If you guys want thirty-five percent off, like you guys Ooh. an extra five percent off, you can go to yapmedia.io/course and use code brown ambition. Nice. All one word, and we'll, we'll we'll do we'll put the link in the description. Okay, perfect. I have it. You said December. When is it again? December thirteenth and fourteenth. It's all virtual. I'm assuming. Okay. okay. Yeah. It's all virtual, but it's me teaching live and. Guys, this has gotten like 12 out of 10 raving reviews. Mm-hmm. I've had maybe 300 students go through and never had a refund. Everybody has said it's been like one of the best master classes they ever took. And so I know anyone who takes it is going to really like the class. Okay. That sounds great. Yeah. Mm. So what was your first, like, what was your kind of hero business? Like for me, it was a budgetista. I used to teach one-on-ones. When you first got into to business, like what did that look like? What was the first thing that you started with? Well, I... I I had a crazy, you didn't ask anything about my background. My background is crazy, (laughs) Tiffany. I had a crazy background. So I started off uh, working at Hot 97 um, when I was in college for three years. I was Angie Martinez's assistant. Ooh, and Uh, New York. Yeah. Uh, unpaid assistant for three years. So I was essentially a glorified intern that was like the queen of the interns at Hot 97. You can't do that anymore That's illegal now. But that was like what everybody did at Hot 97 before. So I thought I was going to be the next Angie Martinez. I ended up leaving because they didn't give me a paid job and I got upset. Uh, Me and Angie are fine now. Mm -hmm. And I started a blog site called the Mm sororityofhiphop.com, strawberryblunt.com. I was a bad girl back then. (laughs) And uh, the the podcast, uh, sorry, the website blew up. It was like in 2010 when like blogs were super hot. Mm-hmm. We were like, you know, up there with Rap Radar and all those other types of blogs. Uh, we almost had a show on MTV. They filmed me all summer. I was going to be the lead of a show right after they ended Jersey Shore. Um, and I was like hosting parties at the time with this blog site and everything like this. MTV backed out two weeks before they were supposed to air the show. I was devastated because yeah. by then I got rejected from Hot 97. I also was Sway in the Morning's co-host for two weeks and then they fired me after two weeks. And then I didn't get MTV. And so I had all these at-bats, but didn't make it. So then I got like sort of thought, all right, maybe this isn't for me. Let me go into corporate. 
I worked at HP, then Disney, and I started my uh, podcast, Young and Profiting, about four years into my corporate career when I just felt bored and wasn't doing it for money. Mm-hmm. I was just thought, you know, I know how to do this. Podcasts are hot now. Mm-hmm. I had all these online radio shows working on the side of Hot 97 and when I had the blog site. So I knew a lot about radio and production. I figured, okay, let me just do this. And so I started this podcast. By episode two, I had 10 volunteers in a Slack channel. I had all these fans on LinkedIn because mm-hmm. I started my LinkedIn journey at this point that would reach out to me and be like, I just want to help. Your show changed my life. Mm-hmm. And so I, I knew how to do all these different things, audio editing, video editing, social media, blog posting, building websites. I knew all this different marketing stuff. So I started taking these volunteers and then teaching them things. I taught mm-hmm. one guy how to do videos, one guy how to do a website, one girl how to do my social. Then fast forward two years later, my show is like really big and all the guests that are coming on my show are these rich CEOs, authors, influencers. Mm. And at the end of my show, I kept getting asked the same question. How did you build your LinkedIn? Can you do this for me? Mm. How did you grow your podcast? Can you do this for me? And I had all these volunteers and I would always say like, I'm so sorry, I just have a volunteer team. I've got a corporate career. This is just for fun until COVID hit. Mm. And I found myself with all this free time And a couple of these uh, guests on my show were being very persistent about being my clients. And then I just started taking my first clients. My second client, guys, was a $30,000 retainer a month. (gasps) My second client. And so within six months, my company was already making 100 grand a month. I had 30 paid employees around the world, quit my job, and just the rest is history now i'm like you know my company is making probably almost five million dollars by the end of the year this Mm. year so uh it's been an awesome journey of just lots of struggle until one time (laughs) it hit you know and Mm -hmm. then it just i just kept rolling with it ceo like do you have other executive level support alongside you i do i do um i'm definitely the Mm -hmm. ceo Mm -hmm. and founder but i have jason who is uh one of my executives and kate and so Jason helps me run the network. Kate helps me run the social media agency. I'm really in charge of like at this point sales, new business. I recruit podcasters, close sponsorship deals, and close social deals. But other than that, I just have everybody doing everything else, and I just kind of think of new ideas. It sounds like you've gotten to that nice place where instead of doing everything, you can sort of like focus on your zone of genius. Is that right? Is that how you feel? Mm-hmm. I th- yeah. I think one of my key reasons for being so successful is my ability to delegate. Because mm-hmm. even because fr- I had th- started this podcast as a side hustle, so from the start, I've been delegating and ha- to all my volunteers. So from the start, I always had a remote team and people to help me and I just mm. I'm really good at just like letting go and teaching people and then letting them take it on and elevating them you know well I love me so some what? LinkedIn Tiff did I talk over you again <laughs> sorry, queen. no no that's okay I, no, no I was just gonna say that like so what you know no so you have these businesses these kind of successful successful um, subsidiaries of, of the original business like where do you see yourself and that's like five to ten years like what's what's the desired outcome for it when it all shakes out Well, building this podcast network, um, we're already just one year in. I've signed like huge podcasts. Like I told you, I've got Jenna Kutcher, Amy Porterfield, Trent Shelton. Like I just got all these huge names. We're crushing it. I want to be as known as like Wondery is in this space in terms of a podcast network, Mm -hmm. right? I I really think that's going to happen within the next year. We're already, you know, up there with all the major networks already. Um, I'm writing books, so like personally, I'm going to put out a book in 2025, hopefully. Ooh, what's it called? Um, so 
I don't have a name yet. It's all <laughs> just getting started now. So, like, I just signed a contract Ooh, and all this kind of stuff. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, so, going to be writing a book, going to be putting out, I'm sure I'll put out a podcast course. But really, it's just honestly growing my network. And we're the only network that has a full service social media arm. So, we're not just monetizing people's mm. podcasts, we're monetizing their YouTube, we're monetizing their social branded mm. content. And then we're able to execute on all of it on their behalf. Um, so it's a really innovative approach, and there's no other networks that are really even competing with us in, in this space. Mm. I want to go back to LinkedIn because I love it so much, and I'm actually I have a yeah. <laughs> I have a community of women called the Mandy Money Makers, uh, women of color, and it's career coaching. And I my specialty is negotiations. I live for the high and the thrill of a negotiation. I would love to know, though, because it seems like with LinkedIn, you're sort of maybe working with people who are using it for their businesses or for their brands. Um, I work with women who want to use it to amplify their career and maybe build a brand. Do you have any like keys to LinkedIn that you can share? I'm curious. It sounds like you know some stuff even I don't know. So I want to learn like three (laughs) keys to like maximizing LinkedIn right now that we can sort of take away. Yeah, so three tips for LinkedIn. LinkedIn right now is prioritizing meaningful content, uh, which means that you want to focus on your keywords. You want to make sure that your profile has keywords that are aligned to your niche, that people would be searching for that keyword on LinkedIn. And then you want to make sure that your posts also include those same keywords that might be found in your first connections following that have those keywords in their profile. That way, LinkedIn can basically match your post and serve them to people who have those keywords in their profile. So again, LinkedIn is looking for experts. So if you put up a post and it has a keyword, like let's say you're in real estate, you put up a post that has the real estate keyword, your profile is validated that you're a real estate expert. You've got that keyword, you've got people who have like uh, put skills related to real estate on your profile. And so LinkedIn can validate through their algorithms that you're an expert. Now, LinkedIn is going to serve that real estate post to other people who have real estate in their profile in Mm. their first connections. If those people engage on your post, they're going to share it with those people's followings who are likely in the same industry niche, and then you'll have more visibility, right? Uh, The second thing to note uh, is that shares is really where it's at on LinkedIn. Mm. Every single viral action on LinkedIn is actually weighted differently. So a like, for example, is one point. A comment is two points. A share is four points. So if you want to go viral, you always need to optimize for shares. And that means that you want to have shareable content. Most of the shareable content is typically inspirational or motivational because they're most relatable to the broadest audience, right? Educational content is also really shareable. It's not as shareable, but it will be shared in a more targeted niche way, right? So you always want to optimize for shares. Uh, So that's the second point. And the third point is you want to understand all the different engagement hacks on LinkedIn and the little nuances. Because on LinkedIn, it's not really about your content. It's about how you post up your content. That's more important than the actual content itself. So for example, in your caption, if you're trying to go viral, you should not link out to an external third-party link because LinkedIn's goal is to keep people engaged Mm -hmm. on the platform for as long as possible. So you never wanna bring them to like YouTube, for example, in the caption, because LinkedIn will suppress the post. Um, There's also all these different like other spam filters that you need to avoid, uh, such as like chunky paragraphs. People like to skim because everybody's reading on mobile, so you wanna have like line by line content. On social media, a paragraph is really one or two sentences, not three to five sentences, right? So you wanna have paragraph breaks and 
make it more skimmable uh, in terms of your caption and as short as possible. Also, uh, you want to make sure, like I said, that you have got keywords in your post. You want to make sure you're using hashtags correctly. Uh, three hashtags max, right? So a lot of people put too many hashtags. It's not Instagram. You'll actually hurt yourself if you put too many hashtags. You shouldn't tag people who aren't going to engage on your post. And so there's so many different like little nuances and hacks that you need to learn when it comes to LinkedIn. Mm, okay. Wow. That's, I mean, that's some great takeaways for now and I feel like that's always changing so when it comes to following those shifts and for example I used to work in um, SEO marketing so we were constantly obsessed with what Google was doing and thinking and feeling all the time and they would like put out these reports once a year um, on like their EAT score which was expertise auth I forget all of them I haven't been in there in a minute but anyway um, so where are you tracking the trends of LinkedIn or are you just seeing it because you're in it so much well, I'm an influencer myself, and because I'm running most of the influencer accounts, I see the trends right away. We have all these social dashboards where I can see like the asset type, the engagement, and so on. And so I can see right away, for example, polls were really popular, then they became unpopular, and now they're popular again. And I can see those fluctuations, right? Hey, we put out a poll and everybody did good this week. Let's keep testing polls and see how they okay. do, right? So I see the trends really quickly because of that and can validate things like gotcha. that. Mm. Amazing. So I feel it's so crazy because, you know, when LinkedIn first came out, it was like, this is where you go to get a job. Yeah. Right? And so like what if you're, you know, and if you're someone who thought that that's all LinkedIn could be good for. So what are the other ways that people can maximize LinkedIn? Not just coming here to look for a job. That's great. But what are the other things like you can. Oh, LinkedIn awesome. Mm -hmm. So. Let me give you a stat. There's 135 million active daily users on LinkedIn mm. that are looking at content. Guess how many people are actually creating content? What percentage of that 135 million do you guys think are creating 1%. content? 5%? What'd you say? Tiffany's right. 5%. 5% of people are only creating That's content. Crazy. So there's so much mm. like room to grow. There's there's not a lot of competition. And if you know the engagement hacks, like if you took my class, for example, anybody who takes my class, from the first week, they're getting 300 likes on their stuff. Mm. Like they're doing really well and getting a lot of visibility because there's not a lot of competition, especially if you sort of know how to leverage the algorithm to your benefit. So you can become the dominant person in your niche on LinkedIn and that can give you a lot of leverage. The other reason why it's especially great for business owners is because it allows you to do really great proactive lead generation. Mm. You can send out an unlimited amount of DMs. Uh, there's a couple different hacks. Like for example, you can join a group. And on LinkedIn, you guys, if you're not really LinkedIn savvy, you may not know this, but you're only allowed to DM your first connections, mm -hmm. right? But you can unlimitedly DM your first connections. So let's say you get up to the limit of 30,000 first connections. You can DM those 30,000 connections, about 1,000 or 2,000 a day, and uh, generate leads just through those 30,000 connections. Mm -hmm. So it's always a goal to try to reach and get those 30,000 connections with people who are in your target audience for your business, right? Outside of that, you can join groups that have your target audience. And once you're in that group, you can then DM everybody in that group. Mm. So for example, when I'm soliciting my LinkedIn masterclass, I'll join all the social media groups and I'll be DMing people to join my masterclass. And I get so many leads and business uh, and business folks that way. 
Um, the other thing that you can do is just understand the titles that you're looking for, who typically buys from you, and then proactively invite those people to your network. And then again, DM them and start a campaign with them. So there's no other platform like that that you can mm. like search. LinkedIn has all these different search attributes. You can search by location, title, company, um, you know, so many different search factors and also by behaviors, the events they sign up for, the groups they sign up for, the people they engage with, and then you can retarget them in the DMs, which is really different from any other social platform. So when somebody comes to me for social media and they're like a coach or they have some sort of a B2B business, um, anybody who basically offers a service that's not necessarily like a product, right? <laughs> Products don't do that well on LinkedIn, but any services do. I'm always like, LinkedIn is where I'm going to get you ROI. Let's start with LinkedIn. I'll get you ROI. Then you can go on to other platforms because that's it's the easiest place to make money on online, honestly. It's crazy. I'm just looking at my LinkedIn because I never, honestly, I never go on. I don't, and I'm looking, I'm like, I've got 20,000 followers. I'm leaving a lot of money on the table, huh? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, we could 10x that if you want, Tiffany. Yeah, but I'm like, I wouldn't, I guess I haven't really thought about like, where do I send them? What do I need from them? What do I, you know, like, like, yeah, it just would be thinking about like, what, what's, the, you know, what's this product or the Well, like service. your podcast mm -hmm. would be a good one to get people to subscribe and review your podcast. Yeah. And then don't you have a course or something like that? Yeah, I do. I have an online school, Deliver to Academy. I mean, it's not that we don't have, it's just that I never thought about, you know, I'm on yeah. there, and, you know, we have our, but I just... You know, people will ask to, to connect and be a part of my network. And I'm just like, sure. <laughs> you know, I just looked. I was like, there's 20,000 shores. That's a lot. Yeah. What can we do here? <laughs> I use LinkedIn heavily for my business. As a career negotiation coach, it makes oh, okay. so much sense. Um, mm -hmm. And I use not as much from the to DM people. That's really smart um, to like DM mm -hmm. people who follow you. But a lot of leads that come into my even my freebie you know, my um, negotiation scripts come from LinkedIn. And then also I think second to that mm. is Reels. You know, Reels are super powerful. Mm -hmm. Do you help yeah. with like other platforms mm -hmm. as well or just LinkedIn? Yeah, we do Instagram, YouTube, Threads, gotcha. Twitter. Okay. But really it's LinkedIn and Instagram is the main focus in terms of growth. And what and I love about like LinkedIn that. too for people, because I deal with a lot of women who are like, mm, I want to make a, I don't want to do learn the new TikTok dance and do the reels to get business. Yeah. Um, LinkedIn is just that. It's, like the, it's like the new blog, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and also the best performing asset is, is a picture and yeah. a story, right? So videos don't even work well on LinkedIn. We didn't talk about that. So videos don't even work well. And that's the most time consuming and mm -hmm. most expensive thing to mm -hmm. create. On LinkedIn, you just need photos and like meaningful content, educational content and stories mm. and you'll do great hmm. now you have me looking at linkedin like hey girl you might see me a little more <laughs> <laughs> well we want you know we want to respect your time because we want to have you on for our baqa oh, cool. uh, we just want to yes thank you so much holly you one thank you for being so vulnerable and open you know as a palestinian about what's happening and just giving us um you know educating us on some which I'm sure so many of our listeners have never really known or heard before, and maybe you have, uh, but to hear it from someone who gets to experience it, you know, from that group, I think is really critical. So thank you for sharing your voice in that way. Um, but also thank you for being this amazing businesswoman that was able thank to pivot you. and then share like all this insight about what does it look like to market yourself? What does it look like to grow a business? And, you know, what does it look like to pivot when you get so many no's, it'd be so easy to give up mm. and you didn't. So we really thank you for sharing all parts of yourself today. Appreciate you guys. Appreciate you, Tiffany and Mandy. Thank you so much. 
All right, y'all. So if you want to go to Hollis, hopefully this comes out beforehand. I'm sure it will, Imani. Um, if you want to go to Hollis, um, take Hollis course. Uh, remember, it's 35% off for y'all. This The link will be in the description. Um, and um, Brown Ambition, all one word, um, to get a discount. We've never mm -hmm. done that before. So I'm going to use it. Girl. I'll see you awesome. there, honey. <laughs> <laughs> Yay. <laughs> all right, y'all. We will see you on Friday for BAQA.
The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market. Rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen.